Have you ever wondered what happened to the legendary Chuck Norris? I recently saw a health video he made and I was surprised. He's in his 80s and still seems to have his energy and health. He says he's even stronger, has more stamina, and plenty of energy left over for his grandkids since making one simple health change that helps his digestion and nutrition. He says he still feels like he's in his 50s. His wife made the same change and she's never felt better. She says she feels 10 years younger and she has energy all day. Many of us do not include the fruits, vegetables, and other herbs that increase health and energy in our own diets. Chuck Norris made a special video that explains how he incorporated these things with one simple product. You can watch it by going to mymorningkick.com forward slash Harris. It may change your approach to your own health. Once again, that's mymorningkick.com forward slash Harris. Welcome to the Conversations That Matter podcast. My name is John Harris. We're going to go through just a few news items today. It's going to kind of be a little bit of a open-ended, fluid um, show, just a stream of consciousness, I guess, more or less, on just some of the news items. And there's so many out there. And every day is like this now. I, I don't remember it being this way um, even 10 years ago. I mean, news has always, there's always been a lot of things going on. But now more than ever, it seems like the news cycle isn't even a day. I mean, it used to be a week. You'd talk about news cycles, and it would be uh, sometimes a week or sometimes a few days. And uh, the weekends were kind of a break from that. And now there, there really is no line. Uh, it's, it's multiple news cycles in one day. I just want to highlight some, some things that are, I think, relevant, pertinent, um, uh, pertinent and um, important to the people who listen in this podcast uh, audience. And uh, just give you a few comments on them and think, think through... Um, what, how, how should we approach this stuff? How should we think about it um, as Christians, um, as Christians who are living in the 21st century United States of America, a falling America, uh, a um, institutional church, if you want to call it that. I'm not even sure what word to use, but a, a, uh, the church that, that had been there, had been strong, more strong at least, stronger, healthier, uh, and it's also kind of rotting from the inside, just as our country is. How do we live and think about what's going on around us? And so I want to also um, not just give you kind of the news. And, and there are good things that are happening, too. I, just, I don't want to focus on the negative. But there is a lot of negative. We can't get away from that. There is a lot of negative stuff happening. So I don't, I'm, we're not going to get away from it. We're going to talk about it. But I want to give you some practical things, too. Uh, some things because I, I thought about this a little bit. Um, sometimes, if you're just if you're digesting a lot of negative information, it's not healthy for one thing. I'll, I'll say this: even this podcast, if this podcast or uh, some of the other sources maybe you listen to, um, if it's too much for you just to, to say, "Look, I can't do much about that. I I, I need to go and, and listen to something else. I need to invest in something else." That's fine. I don't think you should be an ostrich. You you don't you don't retreat from the public arena. You, you want to know kind of in general what's going on, but your diet needs to be balanced. You, you shouldn't have too much of the negative. And, um, I, and I'm, I'm well aware of that. So, uh, some actually I got a, what is a message, I guess, a Facebook message or something like that. I think it was a messenger message the other day from someone saying that basically what I just said, they don't like listening to too much negativity, but they, they like this podcast because I'm not, 
a defeatist about all of it. And I do try to uh, put a positive spin. I understand God's in control and we're here for a purpose. We're, we're here for a reason. We're here at an exciting time in history. And so it makes it kind of worthwhile for them. That I, And I was, I was happy to hear that. I was like, oh, I'm thankful I make the cut because I don't want to be overly negative about things. Um, I want to give you some also practical things to do, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you just some practical things as we go through um, today as well. Um, at the very least, at the end, I, I have something specific I wanted to mention to you that I think could help. Uh, I, and I'm, I'm, I don't have any illusion that this audience is going to overnight restore everything going on in the United States. But we, we can do... We, we, we do have an impact, and, and I've seen the impact. Sometimes I haven't even mentioned it because of other concerns I have about mentioning it, but um, sometimes I have. We, we actually have had an impact. Paint the wall black. That was this audience. That was this audience. Now, well, I can't say it. I can't say it. I want to say something I can't say, but let's just say it has a bigger impact with people that are more high profile than you realize. Um, right now, there, there's some things going on as well with some big Christian institutions uh, because of this audience. Um, there's, um, I, I, I'll point to this one, Liberty University. When I did a few podcasts on Liberty University, it changed some things at Liberty University, but it wasn't me. It was this audience. It was this audience signing petitions. Uh, the petition that, that, uh, was out there. It was this audience, um, sending emails, that kind of thing. And so there are things we can do and praying's of course, number one, but there's also practical things that we can do other than praying that, uh, that, that, take a little bit of work, but they actually, um, they actually can, can do some things. And so, um, so I, I want to talk about some of that, uh, as we go through, at least at the end, um, some ideas I have. So let's just go through some things. Uh, I have, uh, just a little list. I made a, a little list. It took me about four minutes <laughs> before this started of just things I've seen in the last day that I thought, you know, I'm going to talk about this, some questions I've gotten, uh, so the first one is um, some questions about the Passion Conference and the Gettys Sing Conference. I've had a few people messaging me and asking me, John, uh, what do you think about what's who? You know, David Platt's headlining the Passion Conference. Look at the people that are at the Gettys uh, Sing Conference. What do you think about that? And I, I don't really have a lot to say other than uh, yes. <laughs> that's that's what's happening. You have some some social justice advocates and. Uh, I would argue people that are in the false teacher camp at um, at both conferences, I believe. Now, I haven't looked at passion extensively, but uh, I know David Platt's headlining because I saw the advertisement and I probably I don't even want to. To be honest with you, I don't I don't even want to type in to my search engine uh, passion conference because I don't really want to know at this point. I can only handle so much uh, if look, it, it's simple to me. If they have false teachers present, don't go, don't go. And I would. You know, if you have any influence with any of your friends or your pastor, whoever is promoting this, I would just tell them not to go. And then do do your homework. This is an area where you can be the the, the expert. You can be the one to um, inform your congregation by searching the scriptures, but also go back. I, I've provided a lot of material um, on on this podcast. You don't have to quote me. You don't have to send the video. I think sometimes, and I don't mind people doing that necessarily, but sometimes it doesn't work too well when you just send a video of me or A.D. Robles or someone else talking about something because it's like, oh, that's just, you know, that person. They, they, they're against social justice and they've already kind of, without understanding or listening too much, they've, they've tuned me out or A.D. Robles out or Odie Bacham out or whoever you're sending. 
I would suggest you're the one that they trust. You're the friend. You go back. You can use some of our, our the points we make, but put it in your own words. Uh, that's why I provide, um, when I have a PowerPoint and I'm researching a book or a false teacher or something like that, I will provide for my patrons. Um, and sometimes I'll, I'll go past that. I'll just provide a public link. Here's the PowerPoint. So you have chapter verse. You have the citation. Someone just uh, emailed me recently, a patron, and I actually called them up and left a message um, uh, just kind of outlining just a, a few points of advice. But they were asking about uh, Letitia Morrison's Be the Bridge because at their particular, and it's being used everywhere, but at their particular ministry that they work for, it's being used. And so I called them up. I, I gave them a few points, um, but uh, they have the PowerPoint I made with all the page numbers and all the, the, the correlation between Letitia Morrison's book and critical race theory. And it is critical race theory. It's funny, Be the Bridge says they're not. They have every single element of critical race theory. If we use Delgado's critical race theory as a standard, which it is, everyone seems to appeal to that, then it's critical race theory. All seven elements were present. So these are the kinds of things I'm trying to do to help. But the point is for you then in the circles where you have influence, you go. Don't cite John Harris. Don't cite uh, some, some uh, author. You say, look, I've looked into this. And I'm trying to help you be able to look into it, to cut down the time. So you can, you can maybe listen to this podcast. You get a few ideas. You can look at maybe a PowerPoint I put out. Um, in fact, the book, Christianity and Social Justice, Religions and Conflict, I think will be the most useful, beneficial thing that I've written or put out. Hands down. And that's coming out. I'm, I'm told it's going to show up on Amazon later this week. Uh, I don't want to promise that because I haven't been given a day. But um, I, I know that that's coming out very soon. And that's that's another way to uh, there, there's a lot of citations, a lot of citations. I try to focus on every social justice teacher I could really think of in evangelicalism uh, in, 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 in different portions of the book. So um, that'll be that'll be a help to you. Then that's my goal is to just give resources to, to you, to Christians, to, to people who are fighting uh, this nonsense, this evil. And um, I, I want you to be able to do it for yourself. So um, so the Passion Conference, the Getty Singh Conference, that's what I would do. If you have a concern about someone going, I would I would narrow your focus. Don't don't try to say, well, it's a, just a woke fest. <laughs> it's just a woke fest and, and leave it at that. I mean, you can say that, but don't leave it at that. Don't 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 just brush it off that well, I don't care about that because of you're talking to people who might not understand that you're going to have to lead them down the garden path a little. And so they, they can see why you think the way you do about it. So I would take maybe uh, one to three of the teachers that you consider to be problems. And then of all the issues you might have with them, of all the things that they may say that are wrong, try to narrow it down to like one or two things each of them have said. And, and so make it super narrow so you can really have a beneficial discussion uh, with someone about this. Um, I would encourage you, look, if you're concerned about the Gettys, and I, I heard about this from people who know the Gettys years ago, that they were concerned that they were going in, a, in this more sort of ecumenical-ish direction, uh, even though, yes, I know they're, they all would say they're evangelical, everyone probably attending, but um, broad, broadening out to, in the social justice sense, at least, uh, they're, they're including people across both divides, uh, across that divide. I would just, I would contact them. I would send them a message. Hey, we're praying for you, and we're very concerned about some of the people. I, I will not be attending the conference because of this. Even though I like some of your music, please rethink your position. Here's, you know, send them a resource if you want. Send them, send them a book or something. You can send them Christianity and Social Justice, Religions and Conflict when it comes out. 
send, send them a copy of the book. I, I don't know. I'm, I'm just trying to give you practical ways. Rather than just being frustrated about what's happening around you, try to do something positive. And if you think small, think a little smaller. And just, um, I know we, we, a lot of us don't have time. So that's, I'm trying to cut down that time by giving you some resources. But but even a little message, a little email, something like that, it makes a difference. Make a phone call. I don't know if they have a number, but be make a phone call to the Passion Conference or something. Leave a message. Just something little like that can make a difference if a lot of people do it. Um, I think I'll just say this now. I was going to say it at the end. But on that note, I would like to encourage you all to do something. Now, no one's asked me to do this. No one. I just need to be clear on that. There's no particular like overarching reason that I want people to do this either. There's no, I'm not, there's not like an emergency I'm not telling you about or something. But I do want, um, I do want people to consider doing this. Uh, the Freedom Center at Liberty University. They are, in my opinion, um, kind, kind of loners. Uh, they, they are kind of an island in evangelicalism of what used to be kind of the religious right, um, very, uh, pro and you may not even agree with everything they stand for. I don't know, but they they are more um, pro. Uh, I would say orthodox biblical teaching on their on their politics on their um, on their public theology. Uh, they are more um, pro uh, American founding, pro constitution as well, and they can see the Christian influence in those things. They are doing some work, and I, if you, I noticed on their YouTube channel, if you go there, uh, they have very high-profile guests and hardly any views, and I'm not sure exactly the reason for that, but they're, they're, for an office as small as they are, they're, they're putting out a lot of stuff. They're cranking out a lot, and I think I, I've just seen a lot of hate online for the Freedom Center uh, from people. I think Save 71 is like a... I don't even want to give them, I probably shouldn't have said their name because I don't want to give them uh, press, but, um, and I don't know how big they are, but you know, there's, there's an, or there's an organized concerted effort by groups and people like Karen Swallow Pryor uh, to target the Freedom Center. I would just send a message. This is what I'm asking people to do. Just send a message uh, to, in fact, as I'm doing this, I'll look it up. So you could call, you go to the office of the provost. It's 434-592-4030. That's 434 Five nine two forty thirty, and um, try to get in touch with someone there, uh, and just say I want to pass on a uh, just a thank you that that you allow the Freedom Center to operate there. We we're so grateful for the Freedom Center, something like that. Uh, you could email uh, the uh, provost at liberty.edu, provost at liberty.edu. That's another place you could go. But however you get there, Liberty is a big place. I would just thank them for. Freedom Center, allowing uh, the Freedom Center to exist. They're in the crosshairs a lot, a, a lot of the time. So I uh, just wanted to let you know that. The, the left has no problem spending a lot of their time uh, complaining about, um, about even, even something as small as the Freedom Center. They will, they, they will not rest. They will not sleep until something like that is eliminated. And conservatives, we tend, I don't know what it is exactly, but um, tend to get really rah-rah before an election, like a political election, and then it's like conservatives kind of go to sleep, a lot of them. So this is an opportunity. I'm just trying to say, hey, let's, let's, do, let's do something. And I'll try to think of more of those as we go along. This is something we can do. So I um, wanted to mention that. Now, uh, practical st stuff. 
out of the way. Maybe we'll think of some more as we go through this. Uh, a few things I wanted to mention. The ERLC apparently received a grant from Facebook. I don't know if any of you knew this. Yeah, Facebook, that, that institution that probably has publicly um, told you that you shared fake news or suspended you or something like that. They are uh, apparently the ERLC, the Ethics and Religious Liberty Commission for the Southern Baptist Convention, apparently has a grant from them. I find that very fascinating. Um, I know Capstone Report, I think, uh, put out a whole article on it. If you're curious about that, I don't really need to know what the reason is, though, at this point. The last, what, six months, seven, eight months, really last year, what we've seen with Facebook um, and to get to get money from Facebook, that they don't view you as a threat. They view you as an asset somehow. That That's concerning. Um, Executive committee meeting for the Southern Baptist Convention has also been going on for those who care about that kind of thing. There's a whole write-up I just saw in Christianity Today. Uh, SBC Executive Committee balks at uh, box at a directive to open up to abuse investigation. Um, it's a little confusing. Um, basically, a lot of the woke people in the SBC are like losing their minds right now. Apparently, what it, it amounts to is um, that the executive committee... Uh, it did some things. It's going to comply with the convention's directive to waive. Um, let's see. It, it, it's okay. So it's it's debating whether it will comply with the convention's directive to waive attorney-client privilege to allow investigators to obtain relevant documents from the executive committee members and staff. So basically, there's an investigation of the what 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 the social justice advocates want to happen is an investigation into the executive committee of the Southern Baptist Convention for their handling of abuse um, accusations. And so there's a whole, they're going to revisit this. I think it's in a month, uh, but they've already, they've already done some stuff. Um, let's see. The, the Cold Christianity Day articles opens up with what they haven't done. You know, they failed to adopt the convention's terms for the process, referring to ongoing ne negotiations between leaders and sexual abuse task force. Uh, Two-day proceedings in Nashville highlighted growing turmoil in the nation's largest Protestant uh, body, disappointed victims, um, and the executive committee members are saying that there's a fiduciary duty they have to protect the entity and denominations as a whole, and so they, they don't want to uh, basically open up all the books. Uh, they don't want to uh, comply with, with a directive to waive some attorney-client privilege of some kind. Um, but they are, uh, let's see, they advised against wa waiving privilege. The executive committee voted to take another week to negotiate on access to privileged information. The group also, though, here agreed to fully fund the upcoming investigation up to $1.6 million. They are funding $1.6 million. They are funding an investigation. The, the, let me just say this about this whole thing. Um, the SBC... The, 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 I think, honestly, the accurate way to view the SBC is it is a dying denomination, is a dying organization. All the things you're seeing right now, um, the executive committee meeting and the controversy surrounding it, uh, the Ed Litton plagiarism controversy, uh, the Will McCraney lawsuit, which I understand there's been some developments with that. Um, everyone's pointing fingers at everyone. Everyone's at each other's throats. And no one's ever happy. That, is that, isn't that the reality? There's no group of people in, in the SBC that are happy right now. Maybe except Kevin Ezel because he's got a lot of money. <laughs> he's got some money out of this deal, perhaps. Uh, or or so, someone that's, you know, 
really getting getting something out of some of the corruption. But other than that, who's who who likes the status quo? No one does. And and if anything changes, it doesn't really matter because everyone's still going to be upset. There is no way to appease uh, the either the social justice crowd, the and and it's even beyond that now. It's just corruption. It's just who wants corruption and who doesn't. And so um, everything is is focused on the center as well. This, this focus on the executive committee and what the executive committee is going to do about abuse in local churches, autonomous churches, is I think if you went back 20 years, someone would have said, you're kidding me, in the SBC. They, they, if they were in SBC leadership, they would have said, that that can't happen. That's not going to What are you talking about? We're not the Presbyterians. We're not the Catholics. We're not uh, some central body that determines things. We're we're kind of a loose, you know, it's kind of like the United States, right? We, we've been going over this over the last week and a half or so, uh, and compact theory. And I explained, look, the United States, when it first formed, was, it was a confederation of states. And um, they, they ceded some of their power to a central authority for some very limited functions. And today, that's like a joke. Today, it is every everyone looks towards the center. Was it the same things happening? That whole tendency is happening within the Southern Baptist Convention and probably whatever other organization you're in. There is a tendency to to for the center to allocate power, and in this case, it is to um, in a social justice vein to create a to to, to defeat abuse, to create um, a more equal uh, and diverse and inclusive kind of. Uh, status quo in the organization and the only ones that can do that is the central authority local churches you know they're they're not going to be able to do this on their own it's got to come from the central authority that doesn't really have the authority to do much but now they're going to be taking money from all these autonomous churches millions of dollars to investigate themselves and it's 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 um it's just a sign of i think a denomination in in defeat it's the end it's the end of the line for the sbc i don't and i don't mean to be so dismal i don't want to be i know some of you really want to fight but all the signs we're seeing are signs of decay they're signs that the writing's already on the wall the the vultures have gathered and they're just trying to pick up the remains what can we get for look these these wonderful properties that are worth so much and the money that still exists there because that hasn't completely shut off. It's there's less money coming in, but it, it hasn't shut off. So how do we get our piece of the pie? And, and it's breeding corruption, and it and no one's going to be happy. There really is no unity. It, it is less unified now than it's ever been. And it's it's sad when you see this train coming, and there's not much you can do. That's why I started this podcast partially because of this. I saw the cancer starting to eat away at Southeastern. I said something. Uh, I was, but by the people who are now at each other's throats, uh, some many of them, and I can name names. Um, I was ridiculous. No, the SBC is more united than ever. There is no division, uh, and to to just see, you know, three years or however long it's been, three and a half years since then, to see um, that it has fallen faster than I thought, than I even thought. Um, I was probably, I probably have recordings of it, me saying, you know, in 10 years, I think the SBC is going to be going liberal or something, or, or they're, they're going to be, you know, going the way that um, the Northern Baptist kind of went. And it's, it's happening quicker than that. It is happening at a, such a rapid speed. Um, so that's kind of a dismal thing to say. But um, I think of Second Peter 2, if you go to Second Peter chapter 2, and uh, there's a whole section on false prophets but if you go to 
Uh, let's see, what verse do I want? Um, let's go to um, 18. Um, well, we'll start at 17. These are springs without water and mist driven by a storm for whom the black darkness has been reserved for speaking out arrogant words of vanity they entice by fleshly desires, by sensuality, those who barely escape from the ones who live in error, promising them freedom while they themselves are slaves of corruption. For by what a man is overcome, by this he is enslaved. For if after they have escaped the defilements of the world by the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, they are again entangled in them and are overcome, the last state has become worse for them than the first. For it would be better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than having known it, to turn away from the holy commandment handed on to them. It has happened to them according to the true proverb, a dog returns to its own vomit and a sow after washing uh, returns to wallowing in the mire. And that's that's the verse I was thinking of that there's, and, and I know, yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty harsh, right? But that's what I see happening in the SBC. You have people that they say one thing. They say, talk, they, they can talk. They know the words to say. I mean, they've been raised in the SBC, many of them. And they can give you kind of a rudimentary salvation message. They can talk about, you know, the grace and peace and everything they have in the Lord Jesus Christ. They can encourage people to holy living. And then some, some of them at the top are the most corrupt people ever. And um, they're, not, they're not practicing what they preach. And they're entangled in in the uh and their last state is becoming worse than the first and i i'm very serious about this uh it is bad and um i think will mccraney's website is one of the better places to go to look at the corruption the financial corruption the money is the root of all kinds of evil so um i was listening on this note on on this uh, topic i was listening to um a talk yesterday by sir roger scruton who's a British conservative thinker who died a few years ago. And one of the things, if you listen to him, or if you read if you read any of his books, he talks a lot about the basis for public trust. Because public trust is the most, having, having um, assurance that the people around you will honor their obligations to you, and that you will honor your obligations to them. And even if you disagree over some things, when an emergency comes, when you're going to be together because you have a common identity and a, and a common trust is built on that. And this is pre-political. This is something that um, it, it's on the basis of being a neighbor, of maybe being, you have certain things that you have in common with someone, um, land, uh, religion, um, uh, even, even, you know, your your ethnicity to some extent, the, that, that could be a factor. There's a lot of different factors, but there's some, there's a trust that develops because of a number of different factors. And that trust uh, is the basis for society. It's the basis for engaging in the economy, uh, for defending uh, the, the home uh, that you have. You, you can't have a society really without it. And not, not, not at least a good one or a free one or one that anyone would want to be in. You can't really actually have a society really at all without some kind of a public trust. So... Um, He's talking about this, and, and I'm thinking this application, what he's talking about is so true. And, and that you see this, it just jumped, when you, you start to understand these things, it starts jumping out to you, even from the pages of Scripture. You see that there's, for all the talk about uh, diversity and inclusion, you see very clear lines in Scripture between there are those in the church, right, in the New Testament, there are those outside of the church. And the lines are, they could not be more clear. The one and others are given to people in the church. <laughs> it's you don't treat people the same way. Now, do you treat your neighbors with respect? Yeah, of course you do. Of course you do. 
you, you love one another, um, even if they're not Christians. But there is a greater obligation you have to those who are in the household of faith. Same thing in the Old Testament. You see the covenant people. You see on a national level this, this obligation that people had to those in their own society. Uh, you were supposed to treat the, the immigrant, the stranger, um, with a equity before the law. At the same time, there were things that you could do with them that you could not do with Israelites. Like the year of Jubilee, for instance, when uh, Israelite slaves would be freed, uh, someone you could have perpetual servitude for someone who wasn't part of Israel. Now, that's terribly incorrect. This was the law of God, guys. And you got to think through when, when the social justice warriors are canceling things. You got to think through, what does the law of God say? Are they, I mean, are we just giving them the, the, the are we going to saw off the branch we're sitting on? Because we have a book that talks about some things that are terribly, um, to, to our modern sensibilities, at least, many of us, uh, terribly offensive and not very inclusive. And of course, being exclusive is inescapable. There's always going to be an in-group and out-group. Even in the name of inclusion, you have those who are for inclusion and those who are against inclusion. Again, you have an us-them thing. It always pops out. It's, it's inescapable. But Roger Scruton makes this great point. And there are borders. There are, there are lines between people. And without them, you don't really have public trust. You need something, some kind of a definition, some kind of a basis for trusting others that allows you to live in a society together and to protect yourself from, from threats from abroad or even at home. So I think what's happening in the SBC and what's happening in the United States as a whole and what's happening in virtually every institution is a loss of trust. If you really want to get down to it, brass tacks, what's going on? It's a loss of trust. People don't trust each other anymore. And I think 2020 catapulted it even farther. Why, why isn't there more resistance right now to what's happening? The tyranny from the gut. People don't trust each other. You don't know who to trust. Society is breaking down. And that includes in our Christian denominations, showing that even common Southern Baptist beliefs aren't enough to give public trust. Well, what is enough? What is enough? What what can we can we look at and say we we try? You know, today people online are finding themselves because of common interests. They're saying, okay, well, you like this person or you like that person. I can trust you. They'll even do that with this podcast. You listen to John. You also listen to John. Okay, I think we have a lot in common here. Um, I remember a time. This is like ten years ago. I remember thinking uh, this is more than ten. Yeah, it was about ten years ago. I remember it's before I was married little tangent here. I remember um, thinking, I, you know, I really, I, I want to get married. Um, I don't remember how many years ago this was, but obviously before I was married. And I, I had, uh, I had looked at the online dating thing for like three months. And I was like, you know, and I had nothing against people who do that. Not for me. It's, it's, it's too hard to, you can kind of fake who you are. And then, and then, and then you find someone you're like, this is, this is the perfect person. I mean, we line up so much. Uh, they're attractive and, um, and we should get to, oh, where do they live? Oh, Mozambique. <laughs> That's what happened, right? People who tried that kind of thing know what I'm talking about. Um, and I remember thinking like, man, I just, I, someone, someone who really just likes, and at the time I thought if they like Paul Washer, who's a, who's a pastor, uh, who, who preaches um, and, and very uh, considered by many to be very harsh. Uh, and maybe he is in a few of, of his sermons. There are some probably critiques that could be made there. But at the same time, a lot of people haven't heard. I've listened to 
hundreds of hours probably of Paul Washer, mostly years ago. I, I don't listen as much anymore. And I don't think he preaches as much anymore, but he has some very compassionate things to say. He has some series that are very compassionate and very, but the press goes to, most of the people listen to his harsh things. Anyway, I thought, well, if they like Paul Washer, then I can probably ascertain that they're probably going to line up with me on a lot of my theological beliefs. At the time, that's what I thought. I don't know that I was correct in thinking all that, but I did. Um, they're also probably going to, um, they're not going to be, you know, progressive politically. You, you, pro political progressives don't really like Paul Washer. So I was like, they'll probably line up with me more politically too. Um, and I thought, you know, they're, they'll pro they're probably more traditional too, if they like Paul Washer. I mean, he's always talking about all these traditional people he listens to, like Spurgeon, right? Uh, and, uh, and so, um, and so I just thought there, there was a whole lot of things that if I found someone who liked Paul Washer, that they would be compatible, right? And I see this now, especially social media has made this more possible, but people trying to develop trust with each other through common interests. And I think many of us figure out pretty quick, doesn't really work that way. You could think on paper, someone could present themselves too, is that you, know, they, you have a common interest in a certain area doesn't necessarily mean they line up with you on everything else. There's no, there's no, here, here's the point I'm trying to make. There's no um, shortcut to building trust. There's no shortcut. Um, now, some of those things can help you maybe narrow down who to trust, but there's no shortcut. It takes time. It takes time, it takes tradition, habits, formed, seeing people in different situations watching them come through and that develops trust it takes time and that's un unfortunately i know that's not the answer people want right now but we have to start at the beginning many of us do some of us already have a really good support network but in order to be part of things that you really value and you can trust the other people in the organization um, it's probably going to be on a smaller human scale it's not going to be big Goliath organizations. Those are failing all over the place. It's going to be people that you know on a more personal level. People in your community. People you can hold accountable if they mess up. And you're going to have something in common with them, whether that's you live in the same community, you share the same beliefs politically, on religion, um, you have some of the same cultural things that you value, um, Hobbies to some extent can help, but they're, they tend to be more superficial. But hobby, I think of like a gun club, you know, that's a hobby that um, it, it, it's more than a hobby. People that go to a gun club generally have very similar political beliefs as well. There's, so there are things like that, but it's going to take time. And I think the more we disconnect from the big denominations, the big Christian organizations, don't give them a dime. Don't give the United States government, even. I know you got to pay your taxes, right? But don't, and, and you got to pay attention because they, they do affect you. But invest more politically in your local community. Run. I've told someone that the other day. I, I called them up. I said, look, I think you need to run for the local school board or the town council or county, whatever the representation in your county is, how that works. You need to run for it. You write some good stuff. But what are you actually doing? Not everyone's going to be, able, I, people want to start podcasts and stuff. And I get that. I have a podcast. I can't. I can't throw too many stones at that. It's going to be much more effective on a local level, though, uh, if you get involved with the people around you. Um, not everyone is going to be able to do a podcast and have it be effective. Some will. Maybe that is what God wants you to do. Look at the skills he's given you and invest them where you can. But 
put it into people that you can build trust with over time, valuable relationships. So public trust, and, and if we have that going on all over the place, all over the country, then you have a strong country. You have a country that people that trust each other. Okay, so a few other things uh, I wanted to talk about. I'll try to be brief about this. Uh, the um, Project Veritas video did come out, and there's more coming out later this week. Uh, I looked this morning, 3.5 million views. I mean, amazing, incredible. Uh, it, and it's, it's, it's showing. It's showing what I, I already knew, many of us already knew, but it's showing that uh, there's some funny business going on with how uh, things are being reported. I, I looked at a study actually this morning from India, this is interesting, and this relates to the, the Gospel Coalition Australia article I read earlier this week. So this study uh, is called Transmission of SARS-CoV-2 Delta Variant Among Vaccinated Healthcare Workers in Vietnam, August 10th, 2021. Basically, the bottom line is um, if, you, if you have the jab, uh, you are, you're more likely to apparently get the Delta variant. That's the conclusion, I guess, of this. And, and there were some other um, studies or, or uh, tabulations that I had shared with you uh, a few weeks ago about this to um, Public Health England, August 6th, published, uh, you know, who got, uh, who had the variant in, in between unvaccinated and vaccinated, etc. And uh, it, it looks like um, in Israel, there's stuff coming out, and, and it's, it's all showing us that uh, you are, you're, you're more likely, you're less protected if you get the jab against the variant. Now, the interesting thing is, um, there the study that TGC Australia uh, posted to, to say that Christians need to get to this, the jab, uh, two jabs, in fact, in Australia, probably three soon. The The study that they cited, uh, the data had a, it was a large, it was a larger scope. It was going back to like the summer of 2020, or maybe it was the fall of 2020. But anyways, it was, it was pre like uh, Delta variant. So, so there, it's it's showing that this particular this mRNA vaccine protects you against uh, more so at least against um, the regular COVID, but not it, but but it doesn't really uh, give you the information on the variant. So I I um I think that that is what explains that. I remember I said at the time I looked it up and I thought I'm going to look into this more and I'm I'm pretty sure that's the explanation for that. So I want to just mention that uh, to you because I said I would. Um. But keep looking for that Project Veritas stuff uh, as it comes out. Um, of course, the election, there's, you know, I was, I was just going to talk about this again. The election is also, yes, the election is still going on, at least the controversies from it. In fact, I saw a video, I think it was from Arizona, if I'm not mistaken, of the lieutenant governor being dragged out forcibly by security. And basically, land, it was, I couldn't believe it. And And he was not a white person either, which... Makes you think. Where are all? Where's MSNBC? Where's CNN? Um, but I, I don't even know what. I, I, I'm assuming it had something to do with trying. It had something to do with the election. That's at least what was insinuated on social media. But you still have uh, audits and things like that going on. There's still a controversy over this. Uh, still cases that could go to the Supreme Court possibly. Um, and then, uh, and then of course, there's the border issue. There's the border issue. There's. Uh, this controversy right now over um, cowboys, basically, but they're they're border patrol, but they have you know they're on horses, they have cowboy hats, and they got uh, people are saying they're whips. I, I think they were more like the 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 reins of the horse or something. I don't I don't know. Maybe they were whips, but uh, I saw the video and I and I was shocked. I was like, that's it, because <laughs> I was expecting to see Indiana Jones whipping someone. 
and um, and people are losing their minds over this. But it looks like they're just trying to basically keep some some illegal migrants from getting across the border. So in that vein, I'll read this to you. Gary DeMar, this is, um, and I don't know who else, I don't even want to know at this point, who else in uh, Big Eva, right? Is Gary DeMar part of Big Eva? I don't know. American Vision. Um, but I don't, I, I don't know what the social justice advocates and evangelicalism are saying, I can guess. But let me show you Gary DeMar. Now, he would be against social justice, I thought, more on the side of uh, just... Uh, more conservative side people would think but this is what he said churches near the border should set up large tents and welcome those who are crossing bring translators bibles food clothing baby supplies etc present the gospel uh, get help from samaritan ministries instead of sending missionaries to their countries god is bringing them to us and so this got a lot of traction and i wanted to say something about this whole situation all the situations i'm bringing up it there's it, it's it, it's showing uh they're all showing one thing decay Decay and decay because of lack of public trust. We can't trust the government to tell us the truth on medical treatments. We can't even trust our own doctors in some cases in the hospitals. And the Project Veritas stuff is showing they're they're basically lying to patients. Um, we uh, we can't trust um, the uh, the government to protect the border that we have. We cannot trust our denominations not to be corrupt. Uh, we can't trust even you know conferences not to be theologically just out the the basis for public trust is just going down the tubes so this this last one this border issue thing gary damar posts this i think i'm gonna i'm gonna defend gary a little here i and i don't know maybe he has bad motives and i don't know it all right i'm just open to that i don't know if he said anything else about this but i'm gonna say this i've had the same thought before if and this is the qualification i really wish because it was on facebook he wasn't limited he could have put a qualification there if big if the government is not going to do its job, right? They're investigating the people who were trying. I mean, shouldn't there be a like a wall there or something? But I guess it's an open area and they're trying to chase people back. Go back to Mexico, right? Um, <laughs> now they're being investigated. The ones who are trying to do their job there. If they're going to be, we're not going to have any kind of border. We're not going to have any kind of enforcement of our border. Then I... That's what churches, I, I don't see another way around it. I mean, if, if, if that's the status quo we live in, um, you want to see the liberals secure the border real fast. Make sure that everyone coming across the border gets a good copy of the Constitution and, a, and an education in liberty, right? And they become evangelical Christians and they start voting Republican, right? Now, which is not, I don't think, the scheme Gary DeMar maybe is saying here. But I'm just saying, if, if, it's, if, if a conservative churches or something are their first, their first people they're meeting, and they have a positive relationship with them, and they rely on them. I think you'll, you'll see the border close real fast. The other, but the, the thing is, by the left, the thing is though, it will actually incentivize though. I think more people to come. I mean, it's it's already there's an over, overwhelming situation. I was just in L.A. It is overwhelming what's happened there. It's devastated. It is devastated California and some of these. If you haven't been there, you go there and you're like, oh my goodness. Um, illegal migration is not is not a good thing. Uh, and and I understand why people want to come. I mean, it's it's a compliment to what America, I mean, there's more opportunity and and uh, opportunities for economic prosperity. But um, but if you're a sinking ship, then pretty soon no one's going to be able to, uh, it's not going to help anyone. The best thing sometimes you can do is lead by example. And 
and this is this is uh this is beyond that though this is just enforcing a border we don't know if we don't know who's coming across it could be terrorists for all we know i mean it's scary stuff so what gary namar says is churches should help out now if churches do this and that's all all they do is they here we're going to present the gospel we're going to give you some food we're going to give you baby supplies all this stuff it's going to be a magnet for people coming across and 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 maybe some churches are okay with that but it undermines the border itself it undermines what we're supposed to be doing and i think this is one of the problems is we're in this very confusing situation where what are we supposed to be doing we know what the law says but the law isn't really being followed so if the law is not going to be followed what should churches do now here's my suggestion if you are a church and you're near the border somehow i would suggest trying to form good relationships with the local law enforcement as much as you possibly can and talk to them about what they think the right thing to do is i think there there are opportunities to get involved with charitable work um if there's any way you could go right on the other side of the border like literally if you could just cross the border right and provide all these things without incentivizing people to come across why not do that why not do that uh rather than welcoming those who are crossing you can do the same exact thing on the other side of the border now that's going to attract people to the border but they're not going to go across and break the law and and that's my concern is is not incentivizing them now the thing i want to defend gary on though here is uh i think there's there's a point to be made there's there's their people they're people in need the church's goal is to um evangelize and minister to the people that are near it and if those are the people that are near you you minister to them but you also do so in keeping with the laws of the land and you respect the border that's there and you respect the country that you live in and i think you can do both i think you can chew gum and you can walk at the same time i don't think it's actually terribly complicated and there are ways i think to figure out how to go just on the if you're a church that can just go to the other side of the border do it now what if you're in a place i'll just say what if you're in like raleigh north carolina a long ways from the border but there's still illegal migrants that are in your area yeah you can still minister to them you can just give them the gospel teach them and what do you tell them when when they become saved you know you really need to follow the law i'll help you as much as you can but you need to follow the law and that may mean you're going to go back to mexico and you can be a missionary there or something like that um i do know of a church in the raleigh area uh apparently was just giving money to illegal migrants that just giving them like without any kind of strings attached or any kind of you, you need to obey the governing authorities and, and our border is kind of important none of that borders are important by the way i mean like they there were national boundaries in israel and they didn't need a wall necessarily they did have walls around their cities though so um the borders i mean acts paul says on mars hill god established the boundaries of peoples so there's there's nothing wrong with having one and uh and in fact again going back to public trust it violates public trust when these kinds of things there's no respect for these kinds of things there needs to be a we a collective we before you can have a, a public trust there needs to be a, a common identity of some kind and this kind of erodes that so um if there's any point to string together all of today's podcast is that there's a lot of things going on that aren't so good and they're all symptoms of something and the symptoms it, it, they're symptoms of a lack of public trust of uh uh, there's no basis anymore for people trusting one another and the way to get that back is to be involved on the local level with people you know and and try to uh to, to be as as friendly and 
Christian as you possibly can, but with the people you know in your local community. And I think that's the issue. I think it is, um, localism is, is needs to make a comeback. It really does. Uh, that's how we're going to develop public trust again. So hope this was helpful for some of you. Again, practical stuff you can do. That's one of them. Maybe you can start your own organization. Maybe you can run for local town council or something. Maybe uh, you can do something as small as sending an email to Liberty University and thanking them for the Freedom Center. <laughs> I'll just uh, plug that again. Uh, or, or just calling them up and say, I just want to talk, you know, leave a voicemail for the president or something. I just want to thank them for the Freedom Center. So I uh, hope that was helpful for all of you. God bless. Uh, more coming later this week. Bye now. mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you visit Arizona, time is measured in moments, not minutes. Like the moment your work stress disappears as you kayak through the canyons. Or the moment you discover the life-changing effects of prickly pear chocolate. But nothing beats the moment you see the Grand Canyon for the very first time. Visit a new state of mind. Learn more at hereyouareaz.com.